like what we do here at Clever, please consider supporting the show. To make a one-time donation, click the link in the episode description. Thank you. One for mom and one for me. Hey, beautiful. Ulta Beauty invites you to see the joy this holiday season with top gifts for everyone on your list, including you. Discover Black Friday beauty deals all week long from brands like Tarte, ColourPop, First Aid Beauty, and more. Shop in-store, online, or try curbside pickup today. Alta Beauty. The possibilities are beautiful. Hello there. This message is coming to you from the History Extra podcast from BBC History Magazine, a collection of fascinating conversations with leading historians, giving you the lowdown on history's biggest characters, hidden stories, and greatest adventures. Speaking of great adventures, this week, the History Extra podcast is brought to you by Booking.com. Whether you're looking for a culture-filled city break, a local getaway, or a far-flung adventure, you can save at least 30% with Booking.com's Black Friday deals. These deals are for a limited time only, so you'll need to book before 1st of December to make the most of them. But the good news is that you'll have the flexibility to travel any time in 2021. Head to booking.com forward slash Black Friday to book your next big adventure. Support for Clever comes from Master and Dynamic. We know you love great design and care about quality audio. So we know you will love Master and Dynamic's headphones and earphones. Brilliant sound and design motivates everything they do. So Master and Dynamic products are the perfect gift for the music and design-obsessed alike. And after you see the craftsmanship and premium materials, we know you'll want to get a pair for yourself too. Whether you're looking for luxurious and comfortable over-ear headphones, portable and power-packed true wireless earphones, or an immersive wireless speaker, Master and Dynamic has what you need to upgrade your listening experience. Hear your favorite podcast, clever, obviously, and your favorite songs in a whole new way. Visit masterdynamic.com and use the code CLEVER for 10% off your new pair of headphones. Terms and conditions apply. That's masterdynamic.com. I want to express Brazil, the modernity of Brazil. Bring the Brazil with the good eyes, you know, not the stereotypes. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Clever Live. I'm Jamie Derringer. And I'm Amy Devers, and we're coming to you from NYC by Design, North America's largest celebration of design that attracts hundreds of thousands of visitors across the globe. We are here at Wanted Design, live with the legendary Umberto Campana. Today we are excited to be face-to-face with Umberto Campana of Estudio Campana and Instituto Campana. The Campana brothers are known for furniture and design objects with a distinct character and personality that's been described as playful, avant-garde, and thought-provoking. They're known for creative and clever use of ordinary materials, including scrap and waste, and familiar items in the pop culture vernacular with distinct Latin roots. During upwards of 35 years of design contribution, the brothers have achieved international acclaim many times over, won more awards than we have time to mention, and have pieces in the permanent collections of several museums, including New York's own Museum of Modern Art. 
Okay, let's get the story from Umberto. My name is Umberto Campana. Me and my brother, we are based in Sao Paulo in a studio. I do because I, I have a great passion for what I do, you know. I think I was a lawyer. If I, I gave up law just for have freedom, you know. I think when someone creates, you know, you are free. You don't have to. The only freedom is you and yourself. The connections, you, nothing else. If you are honest, faithful, and disciplined. That's beautiful. We always like to try to understand the world through the, your lens and follow your path from the very beginning. We know you were born in 1953 in Brotas, mm -hmm. Brazil, about 200 kilometers outside of Sao Paulo. Can you take us all the way back to that time and show us your world through the eyes of young Umberto? Tell us the stories of your family, youth, and hometown that made a deep impression on you. My family came from Italy to grow coffee in Brazil in the beginning of the last century. I grew up in a small town, 5,000 inhabitants, very small. There weren't pavement roads, but we're surrounded by a beautiful forest with 40 waterfalls, beautiful. I grew up in a farm, practically, but there was a movie theater, an Italian guy who, who had a good taste in this so he brought movies from Pasolini, Fellini. You know, imagine, I was 14 years old, I saw Teorema from Pasolini, because he was a friend of my family. So I, I, I watched Kubrick, all the westerns, everything. The city was so boring, because imagine <laughs> Sunday afternoon, nobody in the street. So I, I, I merged in the movie theater, then I left the theater and started doing my own toys, you know, with bamboo. I was used to construct bamboo houses in the trees, uh, work with clay, uh, all the, the nature surround me because I need to find escape, you know, the move in the hands. Yeah, so you escape through your imagination and yeah, your hands. Yeah, it needs a lot of imagination to survive that <laughs> claustrophobic situation. But it was beautiful, it was good, you know, because today I make bridges between my countryside heritage and the urban side or the global because I travel a lot. So you grew up with a brother, Fernando. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other siblings? Yes, I have another older brother. Okay. And Fernando is your younger brother. He's eight, or you're eight years older. So how would you describe your relationship with him and also with your older brother? What was that all like? My older brother, in the beginning, I didn't like him because we are conflicted a lot. You know, we have one year difference, so we're fighting for our parents' attention. But Fernando was eight years, so he was welcoming when he came, you know. Then we started being friends. Since the beginning, you know, we get along very well. We have the same way of thinking. And I guess what brought us for, to the studios is our friendship, the love that one has for the other. It's not easy to work with a brother, I must confess. Two different uh, strong personalities, you know. It's, were you making things, when you were making your bamboo houses and toys and such, were you making them with either one of your brothers or by yourself or... Myself, because it was eight years difference. Then we start to getting closer when I was 15 that time, you know. And then I start to live into Sao Paulo. 
We're going to ask you about how hard it is to work with your brother. Okay. But we're not yeah, we'll there yet. There. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, first we have to talk about the fact that you went to study law um, mm-hmm. at the University of Sao Paulo. Even though you're not a lawyer now, how did that experience and education shape your path? I think law gave me discipline, you know. But the time I, when I chose law it was a difficult moment, political moment in Brazil. Because it was the 70s. There was the dictature, military. Uh, so to be an artist or a thinker or a creator was considered subversive or terrorist. So it was very dangerous. So, you know, I was 18 years old. I, I, I chose the, the easiest way to escape from my town. <laughs> so I chose law. I, I studied law for five years. Then I gave up. And then I told myself, I'm going to construct my life with my own hands. That was a mantra, because I always loved to, I would love to be a sculptor. Noguchi, Moore, all those great sculptors. I, would lo- I have a passion. Still, you know, I want to be a sculptor. <laughs> Some would say you are, for sure. <laughs> was it still an act of rebellion to be a creative after five years of studying law? You gave it up and constructed your life with your own hands. Uh-huh. Was that a dangerous at the time? Uh, no, because when I started doing things, it was crafts, you know. I was used to get bamboo baskets, dye them, and sell in the markets to survive, you know. Okay. I start from the very beginning, you know. I knock people's doors to sell. I do the, all the, everything, try to sell. So I learned each, each step, little by little, it was so difficult. So t- from the beginning, when I left law, take 10 years in order to make the appear like a designer. And in that 10 years, you were teaching yourself all of the crafts and working with all the, the materials that were local? Yeah. I, I started getting courses, courses of jewelry, sculpture, clay. And I educated my eyes. My, with my eyes, you know, I was used to visit museums. I love the work of Lina Bobard, the Italian-Brazilian architect, or Nehemiah, the gardens of Buller Marx. So I want to be like them, you know, to express Brazil, the modernity of Brazil, not the, the stereotypes, you know. I want to bring the Brazil with the good eyes, you know, not the stereotypes. I, I get it, and I think you're doing that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do photographs of Brazil, <laughs> my work. So in upwards of 35 years of working with your brother designing objects, installations, and programs, help us grasp the arc of your trajectory. So we already know in the first 10 years you were educating your eyes, Mm -hmm. constructing your life with your own hands, learning all of the craft that you could totally learn. Mm -hmm. Can you pinpoint the meaningful moments on the path from these humble beginnings until, you know, now, worldwide superstar? I guess... There are two moments. One moment, when I got an accident in Colorado River, I was rafting the Colorado River, my boat flipped, then I got inside a whirlpool. Oh, wow. And I almost got dead, you know. When you almost I, got dead? Yes, it was drowning. I was drowning by a whirlpool. How old were That's you? That's terrifying. Yeah, that was, ter- that was <laughs> powerful, you know, because I... I, I, I got into a rock, then I escaped from this weird pool, and after two hours, I designed a chair. I designed a, a spiral of a chair, iron chair, 
and I come back to Brazil, I, I, I manufacture this chair with fire, you know, I take out a piece of, I create a, a spiral in the very thick iron, and the piece that came out, Fernando make his chair. So this is the beginning, our beginning, and we create a collection of chairs named uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, that was a vomit. You know, all these years of love, dictature, all these frustrating moments, and then the second big moment was uh, when we did a show here in New York in MoMA, 1998, mm -hmm. curated by Paul Antonelli. Yes. That was a moment that opens the, our career. And, because at that time we were almost uh, giving up, you know. Yeah. Oh, is that so? It was so difficult. We didn't sell, you know. <laughs> it was difficult to sell. You, you appear in the market as uncomfortable. No? Right. People will not, will not trust on you. you know? no, I can't believe those weren't selling like hotcakes. <laughs> But that show at MoMA that Paola Antonelli curated really put you on the map yeah. worldwide. Yes. That's, that's amazing. I, I remember very grateful for her, you know, for, you know, to choose. I mean, sometimes it takes a critic to, to understand the value of something called uncomfortable, not the market. And mm -hmm. then the market can interpret the value now that it's gotten validation from a critic. Exactly, yeah. But... If I'm understanding this correctly, you had a near-death experience and you designed a chair while you were drowning? No, no, after. After, I, okay. Because I, <laughs> I, I was camping, you know, 15 days I was uh, rafting the Colorado okay. River, then I camped, you know, sleeping in tents. Okay, <laughs> okay, <laughs> and the chair came to you as yeah. an expression of all this tension. Exactly, Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah after a near-death experience, I could see that you'd want to purge some of that trauma. Open, and you that, know, that, a whole horizon for me, that accident. yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Did it um, shift your perspective and it did it make all of the meaningless stuff sort of fall away? And yeah, you know, change completely. You know, now I'm going to do, I found my, my road, you know. With this, I found my road, my, you know, my way. Do you think any of us can find our way without a near-death experience? <laughs> oh, you know, but sometimes I get lost also. You know, it's, I guess it's important to get lost, not to be the, the right one, you know. I do a lot of mistakes as well. You know? For a moment, I found my way. <laughs> okay. So I want to talk a little bit about Instituto Campana. So in 2009, you and, and your brother founded Instituto Campana with a three-pronged mission to, one, rescue handicrafts that were in danger of disappearing, mm -hmm. to promote social inclusion through education, and three, archive and preserve the work of the Campana brothers for posterity. So let's start with the rescuing handicrafts part of this, because that's really wonderful, and I'd mm -hmm. love to hear more about what this looks like in a practical sense, and why do you think it's important for you, but also for society. Well, I live in a country with a very rich tradition of crafts. Brazil has a continental dimension, different ways of uh, crafts. When we have a lot of crafts, you know, most of them China and Thailand, I, I read different manifestations. And I I'm, I love this, you know, I want to, not these traditions die, you know, I want to keep them alive. But, you know, in a way, not to change the way that they do, but amplify, for instance, you are used to do only baskets, 
using your techniques, why not make furniture, lamps, you know, open? You know, not restrain to be a dictator. You just do this, no? Whenever I approach those people, I, I, I go in a way to amplify, you know? Please, you can do with this. This can be transforming multiple objects. And do you find that they're generally receptive to the act of using their craft that they've honed and perfected over the years? Maybe they are used to applying it to baskets, and somebody comes in and says, I know you make baskets, but now I want you to make chairs or mm -hmm. lampshades. Does that also like broaden their horizons in the same way that... It's not easy, you know, because it needs trust. Uh, you know, the, the beginning when you approach communities... You know, they think, what are we going invading my space, you know? You need to be like them, you know, open mind, with mm -hmm. honest, try to be friends, you know? Then, it's interesting, the beginning is very tense. Then, it starts to born a friendship, you know, and they become friends, you know? It's amazing how they, when I leave those places, oh, you, it's so, it's interesting to observe this. I, I think... What you're saying is that building of trust is import an important part of the design process. Not to use them, you know. What? Not no, use. yeah, no, it's a collaboration. Yeah. It's a mutual contribution. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And you have to build trust in order for it to have co-ownership. Exactly, through mutuality. Yeah. yeah. So how are you able to promote social inclusion through education? Well, giving self-esteem to people, you know. For instance, there is a program that I work with people in rehab. The Instituto Campana is me, you know, I go to the places and I work with kids from favelas. I, I went to uh, crafts where people do crafts, but sometimes with those guys who has nothing, lost everything, the fear, the hope, everything, so is to give self-esteem, you know, to open their minds, you know. And I told them, always tell them, my example, that I construct my life with my own hands, because it's true, you know. It's a powerful act, the act of making. At the end of it, you have something very tangible that you accomplished, something to be very proud of. And you also open and unlock a lot of different channels in your mind by working through your hands. And I mm -hmm. think you're dealing with people who frequently a lot of society doesn't have any belief in them anymore. No, they lost everything. Yeah, know. so you show up and offer a way for them to build back their lives with their own hands. That's really amazing. It's interesting because this program, when I was invited to work with them, it is in a city also outside of Sao Paulo. I didn't know, I didn't have never been there. There is no workshop there. In the middle of the, 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 the way, I saw a, a fabric that makes bricks. I stopped my car. I asked the owner to give me some bricks in a humid state and bring to, to this place. And I asked them, I would love you to put all your anger, your hopes into this. And it was wonderful, you know, because they, they did a beautiful work. And then we buy, we dry, we bake it. We buy from them, we sell this. Because it's important to make the circular economy, you know, not to just do one, especially with those people, very fragile, you know, it's important to keep it going. I agree with you. It's not just the act of making, it's the act of contributing to society. You need co continuation, and you know. By society yeah. And, yeah, and being part of, participating in that full circle. Exactly. We start with a group of 30 
most are men, but now we have five, ten. It's, it's difficult to keep their attention always, you know. Do they report back? Do you have some stories of people who've, whose lives you've touched? I visited them, you know, they still are there in the same, trying to rehab, you know. But I work also with kids from favela nearby. It's my studio, there is a favela, I bring them. I was used to go to there, to the favela. And it was strange because it's so claustrophobic there. They, they live very claustrophobic atmosphere. And the first day when I asked them, what we would like to do when you grow up? They told me, I want to sell cocaine, drug dealer. No, this is the atmosphere. Mm. They, when I That's told them, know. yeah, they just know bad examples. So nowadays we bring once in a month then to my studio and we teach them to show there is other possibilities, you know, not bad examples, you know, mm. things like this. You must find that incredibly personally fulfilling. Does it? Sometimes I get bored of life, you know. <laughs> and I go there, I get in contact with those people, I come back, you know, full of energy. Affirmed. It's a change, you know, it's not me from there. No, both, you know. Because before all the, the creating the Instituto Campana, me and my brother, we, we were used to do many workshops around the world. So we brought all this experience to the Instituto Campana. Because it's easy, it's not something you need. Just go there and try to open their minds. Yeah. Well, the third prong of the Instituto Campana is about preserving the work of the Campana brothers, mm -hmm. archiving the legacy. As creative capital for Brazil, why? I mean, obviously it's important, but I want to hear in your own words why it's important to you. For me, to live in Brazil is a mission. You know, it's a country very difficult, especially nowadays with this president. is terrible. They say that Brazil is the country of the future. This future never arrives, you know. And it's a mission because Brazilians, they are, they are king of novelties. They don't think about the past. They destroy the past. And, you know, I, I opened the mind of so many people, a new generation, so I want to. Not to this, went away. You know, I have a, many pieces that I, during these 35 years, I don't want them to get lost. I don't know if it's too pretentious, you know, from my side, but I want to give away to the city. You know, a, a cultural center, maybe a school of crafts. I like know. that. I think it's really important for people to have local heroes to look up to that have deep roots and that have made an impact and that, you know, 80 years from now, history points to these people as icons or people who change the landscape in some way. Like you're saying, if you are a land of novelties and you erase your culture minute by minute, then it's really hard to establish that. Mm -hmm. So I can see why that's, that's really important. I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about your creative process. I'm really interested in how and where you get and find your ideas. It sounds to me like you are visiting different people and feeling their energy and seeing what they're making or doing. Is that kind of where you your wheels start turning and you start thinking about making something or coming up with something new? Yes, I love I love to walk in the streets, you know, here, São Paulo, whatever, you know. 
I like to get out of my comfort zone. That's the reason I choose to work with these crafts communities because I get out, you know, I don't, I, you know, after 35 years, it's important for me to have the spirit of to being young. It's difficult, it's not easy with all these great young millennials, you know, that I'm very jealous. <laughs> and I want to push, you know, myself. I want, so I travel, I go to the, the nature, I don't stop, you know. I'm my own devil <laughs> because I, I, I demand so much from myself. You know? Sounds hard to live in there. <laughs> yeah. How we, okay, so now we have to talk about your brother and how hard it is to work with your brother. And he's not here, so okay. feel free to say whatever you want. But we definitely need to know the dynamic of how that partnership works. Well, we, have a good, we are good friends. Also, we quarrel a lot, but we love each other a lot. It's, it's fun, you know. It's like a marriage. <laughs> <laughs> and we are trying also not to be so intimacy. Now we are respecting, you know. Both are in different moments. He's trying to go to the artistic way and myself as well, but we work together in, pro in projects, Instituto Campana, we need us to be myself, not the Campana brothers. <laughs> you do need to individuate, yes. Course, you yeah. <laughs> do you? Would you describe either one of you as having a different set of strengths and weaknesses that complement each other, or would you say you're sort of more like two of the same type no. and you farm out the things? We that are yin and yang. You're what? Yin and yang. Okay. Yeah, I'm much more disciplined. Oh. I like to be in the studio eight eight o'clock in the morning. I go there, see all the what is happening. The older brother, yeah. yeah. And Fernando is chaos, you know, it's complete chaos that I need to push him, push, <laughs> grab him and please put the foot on the ground. <laughs> the reality, you know, is this, you know. Okay, yeah. Older brother, younger brother, I get it. Let me ask you. This is a really interesting question. I would, I think a lot of us would benefit from knowing, like, what is your hindsight like? What do you wish you had known, like, when you were just starting out that would benefit you now? Wow. Or what can we learn from you? <laughs> you know, I, I, I never was afraid, even though to make mistakes, you know. I, I, I must confess, I, I, I'm, I dare, you know. I have mm. this inside my myself to there i can do mistakes but i follow myself i don't follow trends you know i guess i keep the same way that i start up today you know even though manufacturing the hands making bridges between disciplines freedom you know i i, I love to be free for me it's important yeah, I, I think risk-taking is a really important risk, part of, yeah, of design, and you can't be afraid to kind of push the boundaries of, of what's possible and go with how you feel, not how you think the, the market will receive it or exactly. what the trends are doing. Yeah. I do think a lot of young designers, particularly the ones that are in school, are learning a set of formal skills, and in doing so, and they're looking aspirationally to other designers to figure out and find their own voice, but it sounds like what you're saying is also find your own voice, have the courage of conviction to follow that voice and just trust, take the risks that you need to support that, but 
don't, you know, the minute you go to law school, your freedom is over. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> that, that's it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we know you had a near-death experience, and that sort of shifted everything for you. What would you say is the the hardest, most important lesson that you've learned in life? And so maybe this is a an offshoot of that near-death experience, or maybe it's a completely different challenge that you went through. But what was the hardest lesson, and what did you learn from it? Don't get drunk by success, because the hangover can be worse than success. <laughs> you know? That is so important. Don't yeah. get high on your own yeah, success. No. Yeah. It's humble, please. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Imagine if you could shop the shelves of all your local liquor stores at the same time. Well, spoiler alert, you can with Drizzly, the number one alcohol delivery app. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code SAVE5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Support for Clever comes from Master and Dynamic. We know you love great design and care about quality audio. So we know you will love Master and Dynamic's headphones and earphones. Brilliant sound and design motivates everything they do. So Master and Dynamic products are the perfect gift for the music and design obsessed alike. And after you see the craftsmanship and premium materials, we know you'll want to get a pair for yourself too. Whether you're looking for luxurious and comfortable over-ear headphones, portable and power-packed true wireless earphones, or an immersive wireless speaker, Master and Dynamic has what you need to upgrade your listening experience. Hear your favorite podcast, clever, obviously, and your favorite songs in a whole new way. Visit masterdynamic.com and use the code CLEVER for 10% off your new pair of headphones. Terms and conditions apply. That's masterdynamic.com. So here at New York City by Design, we're surrounded by creatives who are in some way contributing to its shape, character, and systems of the built world. What is your message to them? What do you think is the most important issue on which to focus our collective talents and intentions? Don't follow trends, you know, as I told you. It's important to keep your own way of thinking, even though the, the way that you think is not the fashion, the trend, but keep, you know, going, be honest to yourself. I think it's... I think that's great. Yeah, that makes you free, you know. Makes you free, exactly. yes. That's it for our questions, but we'd like to give you guys an opportunity to ask some questions. Yes, we've got some. Let's yeah. um, let's get a mic for you because we are recording this. We can share. I'm very blessed that um, when I was at MoMA, I was a creative director for retail, and we did a destination Brazil, and that's when I met Umberto, and he took me around uh, the area where his studio is, and um, the but the I'd like it was just the most inspirational event I've ever had in my life when it has to do with retail and just working with the designer and now hearing you is even more. Um, I was wondering if you would describe your incredible studio and how you train the people to work on your pieces. I watched a woman design an incredible chair and um, I also would like you to talk about, if you can, your parents' store, which was around the corner. (laughs) 
<laughs> the hardware store. <laughs> okay. Well, my studio is in the downtown Sao Paulo, and I, I always say that it's a kind of school of crafts to bring crafts at the level of design. There is people weaving, embroidering, uh, welding. So it's a it's a nice atmosphere. It's in very, you know, in the downtown São Paulo, very noisy, and then you get inside there. There is no publicity. It's very, you know, and it, I, I love there. You know, it's my temple. I go there and I feel safe there. People that works like a family. You know, there is no someone hang, anger. You know, it's a very calm atmosphere. And they are not my parents. They are the, the store nearby. It's a friend of mine. And there is a young designer who their parents are the owner of the, the shop. It's a beautiful hardware store where there is a young designer that he, he makes things with, the, with screws, things, you know, all the, he gets the things from the, the shop and creates. And exposes in this shop. So the, these chairs are there, you know, in the middle of the hardware. It's so poetic, beautiful. And the area where I, I my students, is small shops of people, nails, uh, barber shop, people. Yeah, it's very beautiful. That sounds kind of magical. I want to go there. <laughs> Who else has a question? I, I remember seeing some of your early chairs, like the welded steel. And I, I was really struck how you show all the welds, and it almost looks crude. And I'm wondering, like at the beginning of your career, was it a, what was going through your mind? Like, is are people going to think this is naive? Or I thought it was very brave to be showing something like that, where you can see how it's how it's made. You know, I was like to explore imperfection. You know, we are not minimal. Brazil is baroque. You know, it's textures, it's colorful. We are not minimalists, rationalists, you know, we're intuitive. And I want to show all these things in my pieces, you know, not be afraid to be kitsch. I love colors, you know. See the carnival, the, we have sun all over the year, we don't have snow, you know, we are white. I love, and we have also the melting culture of the indigenous Afro-Italians. I, my DNA contains all these races inside, and I'm proud to show this, you know. Thank you. Who else has a question? Thank you. Um, what does risk-taking look like for you today? What are you, what excites you? What are, you know, what's the next peak? Or what does a good peak look like? Or how do you approach that? My last collection, I, I did a show this year in, in London with a very heavy furniture where I don't know whether I'm an artist or I design this uh, exhibition named Hybridism that I did here in Friedman Band two years ago moves more in the direction of art than design. I don't know where it's going, you know, it can be dangerous for my career, but I want to do, you know, after 35 years, I like to be, do whatever comes to my mind, you know. It depends if it does have so much function or is designed or no, you know. Thank you. My pleasure. So in this moment that we're going through in Brazil, mm -hmm. with all this situation there, what do you think uh, would that affect design 
what is the role of design on that? Can design be a piece of resistance? How do you think that would be the relationship of this moment and design? Oh, I think gives power to the people to fight, you know, because imagine to, to, to live under this claustrophobic atmosphere, you know, the things that we read in the paper. I read today that he wants to uh, close the Congress, you know, imagine. So we need to, I guess, through creativity is a way to survive, you know, for these bad situations, you know. I think more and more people will grow, you know. Yeah. Do you think it will stimulate or it will censor creativity? No, stimulate. The, the dictatorship in Brazil was the most important creative process. The tropicalism, the, the Caetano Veloso, all this strong movement. So I believe, you know, it's, it's a way to yeah, resist. Uh, I would like to know if you look at your pieces like products or, and how you look at the industry of design. In general, well, sometimes they are products. Sometimes they can be sculptures. Uh, I think creativity in this 21st century is about to make bridges, you know, between art, design, design and movie, design, fashion. You know, sometimes I achieve to be a product designer, things that I produced in Italy or for Louis Vuitton. Others know are one of a kind pieces like those this collection hybridism that limited editions. But uh, I like to deliver the freedom to you know to do whatever I I feel the desire to do. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you very much, Umberto Campana. Everybody, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> And we want to give a shout out again to Paintsen and Tarquette and Wanted Design for hosting us. Thank you for listening. To see images of Umberto's work and read the show notes, click the link in the details of this episode on your podcast app. Or go to cleverpodcast.com where you can also sign up for our newsletter. Subscribe to Clever on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And if we could, we'd love to ask for your support. There are lots of ways you can help Clever. First, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Second, you can sponsor an episode or make a donation, which you can do through our website at cleverpodcast.com. Third, tell your friends, tell your aunts and uncles, tell your mom and dad, tell your brother and sister, tell anybody you think who might like to hear about these stories. We also love to chat with you on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Clever Podcast. Clever is created, produced, and hosted by us, Amy Devers and Jamie Derringer, also known as 2VDE Media. With production help from Nick Johnson and Jenny Josephson, with editing by Rich Straffolino. Our music is by L1011, and Clever is proudly distributed by Design Milk. Hello there, this message is coming to you from the History Extra podcast from BBC History Magazine, a collection of fascinating conversations with leading historians, giving you the lowdown on history's biggest characters hidden stories, and greatest adventures. Speaking of great adventures, this week, the History Extra podcast is brought to you by Booking.com. Whether you're looking for a culture-filled city break, a local getaway, or a far-flung adventure, you can save at least 30% with Booking.com's Black Friday deals. These deals are for a limited time only, so you'll need to book before 1st of December to make the most of them. 
But the good news is that you'll have the flexibility to travel anytime in 2021. Head to booking.com forward slash Black Friday to book your next big adventure.